The last Sunday we gathered, we celebrated Epiphany, and we learned from the wise men that once we've experienced the light of God in Christ, our job is to go out and let that light shine. And that serves as our theme in this season of Epiphany now. How can we together and individually shine the light of Christ in our community, in our lives, in our world around us? How can we bring hope and healing and peace to a world where there's so much darkness? It's no surprise then that the next Sunday after Epiphany in the church year is our celebration of Jesus' baptism. At his baptism, the onlookers, and by extension, all of us get a good glimpse of who he is, but also of who we are as his followers. Coming up through the waters, we see the heavens open and God declare him as God's own beloved son. We begin where we left off way back in Advent, as we go back to the wilderness at the Jordan River with John the Baptist as he finishes his sermon. I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the third chapter of Luke's gospel, beginning with the 15th verse. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. But Herod, the ruler who had been rebuked by him because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and because of all the evil things that Herod had done, added to them all by shutting up John in prison. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, friends, it was just this time last year when Marie and I were patiently waiting for our second child to enter the world. Each day was filled with expectation and hope. The nursery was set, the clothes were out, his big sister, I think, was even ready. All we could do is wait and hope. But like clockwork with human nature, as we were waiting with hope and expectation, we were also filled with questions. Some of them are hopeful questions. When's he going to come? What's he going to be like? But also with human nature came some other questions. Is anything going to go wrong? How's our daughter going to react to the new baby? As you know, all went well and is still going well. We're getting excited to celebrate his birthday next week. But I was reminded this week of the feelings here of expectation and questions. These are the feelings that seem to accompany every big life moment. From the first day of school to one's wedding day to starting a new job and so on and so on. Expectation and questions are exactly how Luke describes the scene leading up to Jesus' baptism. John the Baptist is out preaching in the wilderness offering a baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And he's gaining quite a following and uh, 
gaining quite a reputation as a teacher and prophet. Back then, folks were waiting diligently for the promised Messiah to come. The people of Judea were awaiting a king to come and free them from Rome's tutelage and to restore the beloved monarchy of David. So they were expecting, they were waiting with hope and anticipation for this promised king and Messiah to come and save them. With John's following and his powerful preaching, people were starting to wonder if he himself was the Messiah. Luke tells us, and he's the only gospel writer to do so, that along with expectation, the people were also starting to question. They were questioning in their hearts whether or not John is this Messiah. So the people question in their hearts, but John answers them out loud, saying, Hey, it's not me, guys. I'm just baptizing you with water. But one who is coming after me, I'm not even worthy to take off this guy's shoes. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You might remember that Luke is also the author of Acts. So this promise of John actually comes true on the day of Pentecost, when the believers are filled with the Holy Spirit and speak with tongues of fire. In the church, we usually talk about John the Baptist's ministry as uh, solely as pointing beyond himself and preparing the way for the Messiah. This is definitely true, but our reading today shows another big thing John does. He baptizes Jesus. And in this baptism, we and the crowd gathered get a fuller glimpse of who Jesus is, but also who we are as his followers. But before we get to the baptism, Luke adds just this little bit, almost as an aside, about John's feud with the evil King Herod, who shuts John away in prison soon after this moment. This little detail is a brief reminder to readers about the risks in proclaiming the gospel and how living and proclaiming the gospel is often in contrast and often that ends with the world and the powers that be. So Luke goes on from this little aside to tell us the story of Jesus' baptism. But he does so in light of everyone else that's there being baptized. In other words, Jesus here receives the same baptism by John as everyone else who's gathered. Why do you think this is important? Why, why do you think Luke would, would emphasize this? There are a number of possibilities here, but to me it seems that Luke shows Jesus' act of coming in human form to be one of us, to be like us, to be Emmanuel, God with us. Theologically speaking, Jesus himself is without sin, so why would he need John's baptism of forgiveness? To me, the answer is to be connected with us, to be connected with us in this act, to show God's love and care for us in the person of Christ. This act, Jesus' baptism, is the spark that begins his ministry in all four Gospels. And in the Christian life, baptism marks the beginning of one's journey of discipleship. But the question of why Jesus is baptized is answered a little more fully just after his baptism, in this little moment after his baptism. After Jesus and the others are baptized, we see the heavens open. And we hear the booming voice from above saying, This is my son, my beloved, with you I am well pleased. God decides to chime in in this act of Jesus and John for the purpose of declaring Jesus' identity. God does this to tell everyone just who Jesus is. 
Here we see Jesus not only identify with us in his baptism, but Jesus shows us our true identity. He gives us a glimpse of our true selves. In Christ, we are beloved children of God. This fall, we've started a small group for parents of young children. We get together about once a month, and the, ch- the church offers child care in our nursery, and us parents go out somewhere for dinner and conversation uh, to share with one another our shared journeys as parents, but also as disciples. For a conversation guide this year, we've been using a podcast uh, entitled Launching Rockets by Pastor Rob Bell, where he provides insights from his own experience in parenting and also the Christian life and how they intersect. At one point in his talk, he reveals that there are two ways to parent. The first way of parenting is when your kid does something wrong, you respond with, why do you always do that? The second way is when your kid does something wrong and you say, we don't do that. That's not who we are. In the first way, the why do you always do that way, it responds, it answers with a question. But he says this question also becomes a challenge to your child's identity. It's as if the parent says, who are you? It calls into question the child's deeply rooted sense of self, of who they are, of their true self. But he says, if you respond to your child's misdeeds by saying, hey, we don't do that. Instead of calling their identity into question, what you're really doing is reminding them who they are. Instead of saying, who are you, you're saying, I know who you are, and this isn't it. You're reinstilling this deep sense of who they are and who you believe they are. And you're calling them to live in and to live up to that calling. He goes on to talk about how much of parenting is essentially helping your child find this true identity and affirming that identity in the ups and downs of what life has to bring. Bell doesn't say this in his talk, but to me, all of this screams baptism, beginning with Jesus' own. In baptism, the heavens open, and we hear the voice from above say, This is my son, my beloved, with you I am well pleased. In each of our baptisms, whether it was yesterday or years ago as infants, we hear the voice of the church proclaim, You are a beloved child of God. With you, I am well pleased, and God is well pleased. In baptism, both Christ and our own, God acts as a loving parent, telling us who we are and whose we are as beloved children. And what Bell said about parenting is exactly why this Sunday, baptism of the Lord is so important. We trust in a God who never questions our identity, but rather seeks to continually build and strengthen it throughout our lives. Look, we all continue to fall short of the people God calls us to be. We all continue to forget who we are and whose we are through these waters. But God never says, why do you always do that? God instead says, that's not who you are. That's not who I know you to be. And again and again, God invites us to return. When we hear the story of Jesus' baptism, when we gather again at the font, we are able to hear the statement of our identity. You are my child. You are my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Friends, in a world where we feel like we're never enough, 
where people judge others to no end. And we always feel like we're falling short and what we have isn't good enough. We hear God each year on this Sunday say these words to Christ and by extension to us. You are my beloved child. You are enough. You are known. And with you, I am well pleased. As followers of Christ, our identity is rooted in being a child of God. Claimed. Loved. Fearfully and wonderfully made child of God. Tomorrow, our nation will remember the legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., whose leadership of the civil rights movement sought to help us see one another equally, to see one another as created in God's image, to see one another as beloved children of God. We are to see one another, and all of our neighbors likewise, as children of God, beloved, fearfully and wonderfully made, With us, all of us, even our neighbors with whom we disagree and flat out do not understand, God calls each of us beloved children. And with us, all of us, God is well pleased. The true light of Christ, God's true light, has shone through the waters of baptism. Shone through the waters to tell us that we belong to God. That we are known, that we are loved, and with us God is well pleased. As we prepare to renew our baptismal covenants, friends, may we be filled with expectation and questions. May we be reminded of this identity as beloved children of God. And may we also seek to see and renew this identity in everyone in our community and world to remind them that they, too, are beloved children of God. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord. To the Lord who speaks to us, strengthens us, and calls us beloved, be all glory and honor forever. Amen.